Okay, very good afternoon to everybody. Um, thanks very much for taking the time to join us. Um, so today's podcast, and this is the first one of the new year, so I'm sure you've all been really interested to sort of find out what we've been doing. Um, this week, we are talking from Inman from Sigma. So welcome, Inman. Nice to meet you. Glad to be on the podcast. Thanks very much for taking the time. Uh, as always, we have uh, Phil and Christian. Good afternoon, chaps. Afternoon. Afternoon. It's always Philip. It's a pleasure. Always Philip, Matt. It's always Philip. It always <laughs> is. And pleasure, guys. All right. So um, let me just start and let's kick off from the get-go. So for those of you uh, are sort of unaware who Sigma is, what exactly is Sigma? Yeah, um, it was a dream that started back in 2013 that morphed itself into uh, one of the largest today, one of the largest exhibitions Mm -hmm. and conferences for the iGaming industry. And where did that where did that sort of idea in 2013 come from? Yeah, good question. A lot of people ask me how did this Sigma Expo take off? So my background, I think a lot of people know by now that my background is not in iGaming, but my background is in events. I've always done events, always organized parties and concerts mm -hmm. as a younger lad. And I started getting a bit sick and tired of that scene, right? It's quite a heavy scene. Yeah. So I also knew that the few folks who took my VIPs were the gaming folks based in Malta. So I had this eureka moment. I said, why do I keep hassling with 10,000 party goers when I can just focus on these few, the iGaming folks, mm -hmm. um, who are anyways spending more with us right so that's how sigma took off uh, quite frankly so instead okay. of parties we morphed into events into expos and i had no clue what an affiliate was what an operator was let alone what a games vendor was yeah. um, but you know you learn by doing mistakes after mistakes and i think i've learned what these verticals are today yeah so how do you walk us through how we got from 2013 this sort of inception and this you know you know eureka moment as you called it to get to the sort of the juggernaut stroke powerhouse that we are sitting on right now yeah i think it was a bit of bold decisions but also combined with quite a bit of luck luck favors the brave yeah um, i must say on this one because yes i did go for it despite there was already some competition in malta but the industry motor was brimming at the time, it still is. So being able to double in size year after year was relatively easy. So I remember we had a thousand people on year one, 2000 on year two, 4000 on year three, 8000 on year four. And then it just kept growing and kept growing uh, from wow. then on as well. And again, is that as well down to the fact that you really pinpointed the industry itself and you understood the actual target market? you know, and, and solely put all of your focus in on that. Yeah, something we tried to do, actually, there wasn't a show, to my knowledge, there wasn't a show that brought the entire industry under one roof, that is affiliates, operators, and suppliers. This was back in 2014, remember? So yes, you had LAC, but then you also had ICE. They were held in different venues. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't really a show that brought everyone under one roof. And we firmly believe that today's affiliate is going to be looking at platform providers because he will want to become an operator eventually. 
So you would have games vendors, software providers that are interested in operators, yes, mm-hmm. but they're also interested in the big affiliate who has the potential of becoming himself an operator. So we believed in this wholeheartedly and we launched a show that embraces all three verticals, affiliates, operators and suppliers. It was a tougher sales pitch to make, but eventually it caught up speed and I think the industry loves it. It's the only way forward. Yeah, just to add what Iman's saying there, I mean, Malta is the capital of gambling in Europe and pretty much the world when it comes to online gambling. And there wasn't really a big event like Sigma at all. And then what Iman created was that synergy with you know the affiliates and the platforms and the operators and providers like Arcadum to kind of get together and discuss openly and you know see each other's content and see new see new ideas and just get people talking and that's what we needed in the industry because we only had ice in london really in europe so i think from what eman's grew since uh, 2013 is is ridiculously fantastic you know it's a really big event and everyone wants to attend sigma sigma is one of the key events in anyone's calendar to follow that from my end, I still remember when I met Eman the first time when it's one of the first events at Intercontinental. It was amazing. Uh, and the, the, how you pulled it together and how Sigma brought every part of the Gaia gaming industry together was very nice to see uh, compared to other shows that have been on earlier. Well, thanks for the compliments. But I think something which the not so secret sauce um, of the show is the, the cordial atmosphere there is between delegates. Right. The amicable atmosphere, the amicable atmosphere that is now part of the brand of Sigma, right? So people go to the show um, not only to meet new clients, but also to have that pint of beer um, with colleagues who they haven't met since uh, the year before, for instance. So it's, it's yeah. like a melting pot of friendships that are simply cementing themselves at the show and guaranteeing business trickling in in months to come. Yeah, and that's a huge part. And I think when you when you run an event of, of the size that you do, that relationship building in a relaxed atmosphere that people feel comfortable with, I think is, is, is a huge benefit to everybody. And certainly when you're doing business with people. Yeah, and look, there's also the pandemic since the last year, right? And quite a few folks have argued that maybe we do not need conferences anymore because Zoom can give you what you need uh, mm-hmm. without the need to spend money on a boot, to spend money on a hotel room, on uh, flights. But I'd say that's utter bollocks, right? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's it's like comparing, let's say you're a fan of Coldplay, right? I love Coldplay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like comparing Coldplay on Spotify with a sold-out concert VIP tickets. Yeah. 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 They're both Coldplay, but you can't really compare the two. Um, so this is what we provide, right? The experience of uh, cementing friendships with potential clients and colleagues. It's something you can never get. I totally you. agree. I mean, we've, we've done some virtual conferences ourselves this year and it's not the same experience because you don't get excited as much as you would if you're going to the actual event and you're talking to people and you're and you, and you meeting your friends that you've not seen in a long time. So I think I can't wait to a conference comes like Sigma because we can go and we can have that kind of fun again have that interaction because we've been stuck inside for such a long time i would rather do business face to face than just stare at a screen and wave at people and maybe get something done when we can just do something in five minutes together yeah don't get me wrong i mean uh, i don't want to sound too dramatic about zoom right i find zoom extremely useful 
So if I have a board meeting, I know I do not need to travel. I, I don't need to get on a plane to have a board meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we're talking about expos and conferences, it's actually the most cost-efficient way to travel once, line up 50, 60 VIP meetings mm-hmm. in two yep. days and 100%. fly back home. That's the most economical way to do things. Yep. Um, yep. So my fears of becoming redundant early last year when COVID hit are way buried down under because I think events are here to stay. Yep. And if it has proven one thing is that people are craving to go back. Oh yeah, we'll be there straight away. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I know we've, and, it, and it's funny, right? Because I think we, we've spoken about COVID ourselves so many times on, on some of our podcasts, right? And I know we said it that from the get-go before we, before we jumped on, but that human interaction is unbelievably missed when you're on Zoom. You know, I mean, I use Zoom, you know, a million times a day and every other online, you know, platform interaction, you know, to speak to all of my teams. And I think when you can't physically face-to-face interact with somebody, you struggle and, and people do struggle. And bringing yeah. the event back, and that leads me on to my next question. It's like the cool thing, I suppose, for, for the listeners as well is to understand how you've managed to sort of view putting on an event during COVID and how this sort of quarantine period has actually changed your approach. Obviously, we know the event's going to come back in real life situation once, you know, COVID is clearer rather and, you know, the vaccine actually starts to work. But how have you sort of viewed, you know, your business and and how you can actually put on an event such as this in a quarantine world? Yeah, well, we we still have the virtual uh, summit. So that's something that we've rolled out during the pandemic. And it's something that we intend on keeping after the pandemic so we will have our live shows but we want to give that extra to our clients to our exhibitors as well as to delegates who didn't have the opportunity to fly to Malta so virtually people can still tune in and uh, tune into the conference content to the agenda uh, tune in on the floor plan and meet the respective stands in a virtual way so We believe there is room for that to stay after the pandemic. And I think something that the pandemic helped us greatly with is the emphasis on media. Mm. So from an events company, we now call ourselves an events and media company. And we have boosted our presence uh, with latest news, with multiple languages. So we have a website that uh, portrays information, news, stories in 10 multiple languages. Why? Because we realize that gaming is truly global. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're a games vendor. The games you're producing, you don't want to just target Scandinavian, UK and German markets like it was some 10 years ago. Today, you want to target Indian market, Japanese market, uh, Portuguese-speaking markets like in Brazil, So because of that reason, we felt we needed one central portal that portrays all the information out there in 10 languages. So whatever you do is being understood by the Koreans, by the Japanese, by the Chinese, by the Portuguese, by the Russians. And I think it's the way to go. So thank you to COVID for that, for Mm -hmm. making us realize how global gaming has become. Uh, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, with, with our content as well, we make sure our games are in all languages because we want to cater to everyone, such as Eman does with Sigma, because that's vital these days. 
it's not just Europe anymore. It's the rest of the world. You know, America's coming. People speak Spanish in America. You know, we have Mexico, we have Latin America, we have Japan, China. So there's so many markets that are up and coming now that you need to be like this. You know, you need to cater to everyone. Yes, and on top of that, we're living in a multicultural society now. So you can have people in the UK that only speak Spanish or understand Spanish better than English and vice versa in other countries. So this is as yeah. well why we try to have as many languages as possible available for all games so we can make sure that everybody uh, can have the same experience. Totally. And I suppose Ima, to follow on from that one, just a touch, what would your sort of expectations be of this new sort of online, you know, platform of a virtual event for 2021 from, from your perspective in comparison to, you know, the, the, the nuts and bolts of having a, a face-to-face? Well, it's going to be relatively easy to run the online platform because the content we're already providing at the real face-to-face expo. So we have the speakers on stage. It's a matter of streaming all of that content live on our website during the show. And when it comes to the floor plan, let's say we have 400 exhibitors. We're giving those exhibitors the extra value of being able to access clients online who couldn't come to the show. So now the entire industry knows that on those three days of Sigma, they can tune into our site, they can visit the exhibitors, which they missed by not flying for the show. And we're simply making ourselves more connected. And I think that's probably the best way to go, because ultimately, as you said, with the multiple languages, you're reaching a much wider audience. You know, you're not having to, you know, right now, you're not, forcing people to get on a plane and go and do x y and z they can just log onto the website and they can consume that content whenever they want to and, and in, in the format that they want to so that makes a lot of sense also i think it's great here that you, you um, combine in the virtual and the live expo so that people that as you said couldn't fly and make the expo can still see the expo see the panels be a part of the show and talk to the people that they want to talk to uh, and reconnect with old friends and colleagues it's again i'll, I'll use the Codeplay analogy. Um, just to highlight why did we decide to do both? Because I've had internal discussions, you know, and some members from the team. I said, well, but if we're going to offer it online, then people are simply not going to fly for the show. And I think I beg to differ, right? Yeah. Just because Codeplay have their music available on Spotify doesn't mean people aren't going to fly for the concert to listen to their music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just exactly. cannot compare the mm-hmm. vibe the energy, the content building, the networking you get from a real expo. I totally agree. Just moving on to the the next question, Europe sort of tends to be the sort of better established market in regards to sort of iGaming. You know, there's multiple legislation changes in place, such as the Americas, Asia, Africa over the years. How do you see the widening of the iGaming scene sort of on on a global scale from your perspective? Yeah, I think I preempted this answer uh, previously, like the the growth we're going into with the multiple languages so every piece of content needs to be understood worldwide because the world is truly the world of iGaming is truly becoming global Um, I remember 10 years ago the operators I used to speak to um, used to target UK, Scandinavia and Germany this was the most sought after markets now those same guys are telling me listen how do I go into Africa how do I go into LATAM How do I go into North America or Asia? My God, uh, the world has really shrunk Mm. in a matter of a few years. So there's that. Then we're also addressing 
the issue of shows themselves. We don't have just one show, but now we have four shows. Um, every three months we have one show, so it's like one massive road show. Sigma Europe, Sigma Asia, Sigma Africa, Sigma Americas. Three months apart. And so if you're after world domination, whether it's with your <laughs> slots, whether it's with your platform, we have you covered. We are world domination. <laughs> that's that's what we're aiming for. <laughs> one of the things I was just going to just to, to say there was, you know, what are the, the challenges specific to those sort of, you know, emerging markets? And obviously, as you said, if you're doing one of these huge shows on a on a three months by three months basis, operationally wise, that's going to be huge, right? Um, you know, I've been to tons of events over the years. It's a, it's a massive undertake just to do one, but to do one every three months on a different continent. Just talk to us a little bit about those sorts of challenges. Yeah, thank God the brand sells itself, right? So people yeah. want to be part of it. Um, and it's also important to be surrounded by people who know what they're doing. So my operations team, my logistics team, my marketing, my sales, my journalists, my videographers, everyone is doing a really good job so I can focus on scaling the business. But from a regulatory point of view, I think we're living in extremely exciting times because the whole world is waking up to the notion that, hey, it's good to regulate the space mm-hmm. because governments are realizing it's not a matter of having online gambling or not having online gambling. Online gambling is already there in your country. So it's a matter of whether you want to regulate it and mm-hmm. tax it yeah. in uh, the country's best interest or whether you want to keep it underground. And I think governments slowly, slowly are waking up and smelling the coffee yeah. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to to the benefits of actually regulating the space. It's in the best interest of the consumer. And it's also in the best interest of the country because governments are in dire need to start collecting other sources of, of revenue. tax yeah. revenues. Yeah. Um, yeah. So really exciting times for us because wherever we go, it seems that... Um, the governments are welcoming our shows there. Yep. Um, and with, with the provider standpoint as well, um, we have different challenges. Uh, events like Sigma help us identify the solutions because say for instance, Japanese players, they travel a lot on the train and we know that they'll most likely play on mobile and they'll do it while they're traveling. So we need to make sure the games are good enough quality, but low in size. So that accommodates that. But then we can speak to um, Japanese based operators at uh, Sigma Asia. Um, for Latin America, we would get to know a bit more about how Latin American players think and how where their changes are going to at an event such as Sigma Latin. So for us as a provider, going to these events is more beneficial for us as well, just because then we, we can kind of do market research face-to-face and figure out where we need to edit our content or maybe make a slight change to improve it to help other people access it also gives, a, gives us a head a heads up on uh, any regulatory things happening yep. so we can always make sure that our games are uh, ahead of the responsible gaming curve that might happen in any country that's regulating uh, moving forward so that's one thing that arcadium is very uh, on, on board with yep. brilliant well listen unless there's anything else chaps that's been an absolute pleasure Thanks very much for uh, for taking the time, as always. Uh, pleasure chatting to you all. Iman, thanks very much indeed for, for taking the time at your busy schedule as well. Pleasure to talk to you. 
for having no, me. Thank, thank you, Eman. Thank you, Matt. Have a nice day, everyone. Yeah. Thank, thank you. And uh, Eman's going to be going to the next Coldplay concert for sure, 100%. Yeah, well, we'll see where we we'll get Coldplay, your tickets. Man. Seriously, we'll get come, your tickets. Come with me. Come with me. <laughs> <laughs> for definite. Thanks a million, guys. Take care. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.